SMV, Southern California, Mexican invasion. Welcome to yet another episode of the G-Funk Junkies podcast with your host, Wise. Before I dwell into today's episode, I want to ask that you follow and subscribe to the channel and the Instagram page, like, comment, and share to help me navigate this YouTube algorithm. Without further ado... It's not every day that we actually have an official review of an underground album. Let me read you a few words from Matt Rinaldi for allmusic.com. Let me clear my throat. Mexican Invasion. Recorded from 1994 to 95, the debut LP from the Santa Maria, California gangster rap duo Cali Lifestyle is a product of its time. Leaning much closer to the G-Funk era sound pioneered by Dr. Dre, Warren G, and the Dog Pound, than fellow West Coast Latino rap groups Cypress Hill or Delinquent Habits, Deluxe and T-Dre come off like Mexican versions of Ice Cube and Eazy-E, flowing over hardcore beats built on funk, soul, and disco samples from the likes of Patrice Russian, Cole and the Gang, and the Ice Leaves. First off, I'd like to say that I appreciate that this album got a little limelight for its lasting impressions in the underground. I was actually pleasantly surprised to read a positive review, at least from what I infer here. Unfortunately, it doesn't dwell deeper other than briefly mentioning how distinctly it sounds from other Latinos in the mainstream and the samples it contains. Again, I don't think mainstream America understands our love and appreciation for soul and funk music. We're not boom bap enthusiasts as a culture. All right, so I'm going to break it down for y'all. Everything from the cover, themes, samples, and the disses all laced into this, dare I say, masterpiece. You'll hear the highs, the lows, my critiques, opinions, and praises. And per usual, I'm going to drop a little known fact. This was released under UW Records before it officially became Underworld Records. You can see this on the label's logo print on the back cover. Alright, check it out. So, the cover is definitely something that screams with its fluorescent fucking blue. Quite frankly, if I'm being honest, I don't very much like it. Some of you might be thinking, Chavez wise, you're fucking tripping. But the release with a darker shade of blue was an improvement. Now, CLS, along with every other Chicano rhyming on wax back in the 90s, stated that they didn't intend on being Chicano rappers. And we wasn't really trying to be in any type of genre or anything like that. We were just, as far as we was concerned and the team was concerned, I'm pretty sure, we were just rappers, rap, just rappers. There was no, because there really was no uh, Chicano uh uh, genre back then there wasn't there was just you either either you rapped or you didn't and you were good or you weren't you know what i mean so there wasn't anything like i'm gonna try to rap like this or that but with an album name like mexican invasion it's kind of hard not to be put in that category i've said this before we have these songs albums and even groups with our ethnicity tied to them and it's kind of hard not to get boxed in Nevertheless, the title of this album serves a higher purpose. You might be thinking, the fuck you talking about? But let me break it down again and share some quecha with you. But in 1994, there was a big push in California to cause panic and destabilize immigrant communities via Proposition 187. This album title was, in my opinion, a big fuck you to Pete Wilson, the California governor at the time, and his support for the proposition on the 1994 ballot, which happened to be his ace up the sleeve for re-election. This had Chicanos across Cali organizing in mass protests. The bill did pass and was eventually deemed unconstitutional back in 1999, 
At one note, something that is often overlooked in the conversation, and it was the fact that this had a high approval rating amongst black voters, as high as 50% of them voted in favor of Prop 187. <laughs> all in all, what I'm saying is that the title was a political statement, whether you knew it or not. Otherwise, the cover is a California classic. Two homies posted up in front of a 1969 Chevy Monte Carlo, maybe? Not exactly sure. Plus the old English font, classic all around. Not to mention their little ode to James Bond on the back cover, very nice. Now on to track one, Ordinary Day. This is the opening song and begins with a sample of the film American Me, a barrio classic if you ask me. We got our own clique, strong clique, finally getting into our own, you know? Getting respect, respect, respect. Soon after, a sampled loop of bounce rock skate kicks in. There isn't much to the instrumental. Nothing was actually done to the beat to make it stand out other than a faster tempo. However, T-Dre and Deluxe had an energetic flow and their vocal pitch sounded a little higher than usual. I mean, they do mention towards the end of the song that it was from 1994, so. Overall, it's okay. It's not bad, but it's not great either. It follows a storyline from A to Z if you pay attention. It's not my favorite sample of Bounce Rock Skate, but it'll do, I suppose. All right, track number two, Time to Glide. This does actually stand out. Now the synth catches your attention. However, I somewhat lose interest in the synth when the beat starts. The Remind Me sample by Patrice Russian feels like an odd mix with the synthesizer. It just, it doesn't go with me. For some reason, it just doesn't sit well. I might be alone on this opinion, but, you know, that's just me. Sounds like the two don't mesh well, and the track sounds as if it wasn't balanced. It, it's hard to describe, actually. There's a lot going on with the instrumental, yet these cats managed to keep a cadence to the beat, so I appreciate that. The rhythm is what makes me like the song, if anything. At about 2.30, you can hear Deluxe talking about their come up. Also, there's something I caught in the song that I'm gonna bring up later on, so keep that in mind. Down from the get-go. Over the years, this song has grown on me. The first few times I heard this, I, I wasn't really feeling it. I think it has to do with the high snare clap or something, but the keyboards redeem the song. They mentioned something critical here. Most people think you gotta be from LA to hit. Too much of films and other media centered around Mexican Americans is always set in LA, but there's just as much shit happening outside of LA, so. You know, the song does take aim at lighter shade of brown. The song's instrumental is solid and enticing. It's complemented by the back and forth synergy from Deluxe and T-Dre. Continuing with the hyped up feel, the album moves into track number four, Freakin'. The sample or loop for this song is still in the groove by Ray Parker Jr. The 
same guy that made the Ghostbusters theme song. You know the one. Ghostbusters! It also contains elements from One Nation Under a Groove in the chorus. Their cadence and chemistry rides smooth to the tempo of the song. The song is faster than the type of songs I like, but it's still worth listening to. Alright, circling back to what I mentioned earlier about taking jabs at LSOB, I think track number 5, Coasting, is the source of this beef. One account I found said Wundi Sinke CLS made a hook and the beat for the song on a Sunday afternoon before LSOB stole it. The second claim states a confrontation ensued at a lowrider show due to LSOB having plagiarized CLS's track Coasting. Allegedly, they had stolen the lyrics and idea for the sample of Confunctions by Your Side at a dual recording session in LA. And as we all know, Dip Into My Ride dropped in the summer of 1994. We get a glimpse of this in track number three. But anyway, onto my review of this song. I don't like it. I've played this in various settings and most recently coasting up the 5 from Central San Diego to North County and up Coast Highway. The beat bores me to death and the damn song goes on for almost 7 fucking minutes. When it commences the drums seem like they're gonna kick in and pound the speakers but ultimately it doesn't. We hear Deluxe mention Mike G, who is that you may ask? The first album, no, nah, was my this this white boy named uh, Mike Ryder. Yeah, and we used to piss him off. Fuck yeah! Every time we went over there, he was actually in an industrial music group, which was like music yeah. that they made by banging around tools and shit like yeah. that. So when we, when we came with our style, he's like, it, you know, those were all our our ideas, and, and you know, we pretty much you know told him how we wanted it. Yeah. So I guess you could say, you know, we have produced that, but it was his equipment. Yeah, his equipment. And he, he's pushed the buttons and stuff like that, yeah. Right off the bat, they call out LSOB, and then again at the four minute mark, and yet again at 520. Let me bring up what I said earlier about getting boxed into this genre. We can't complain when we say shit like this. This is strictly dedicated to the brown pride. Come on now. The female on the hook is a smooth touch. Her name's Raylene, and she might be the most redeeming aspect of the entire track. Now you might ask, what exactly don't I like? The rhymes, perhaps? No, they're decent. The hook is good, but it's the imbalanced instrumental. The keyboards are too fucking loud and drowns out the vocals. Almost seems like they're fighting instead of being in conjunction with each other. To be fair, I also don't like the LSOB track. It, that too bores me to fucking death. I don't normally let those songs play longer than what, a minute or two and then on to the next one because they, they just fucking bore me. I mean, the track itself, it, it came out clean. It's a clean production. It's just fucking boring. You know, what, what else can I say about it? It's not. It's not a song that I'm enthusiastic about. Now, moving on. 
Remember, I said I was gonna bring up Tanta Glide again later on in this review. Also, there's something I caught in the song that I'm gonna bring up later on, so keep that in mind. All right. Well, Chicano culture is deeply rooted in tradition and things that get passed down from one generation to the next. One of these things is the music the culture holds dear and oldies are an integral part of the tradition. So when they mention having East Side stories in a tape deck, it comes back full circle. As we enter the second half of the album, Down For My Crown begins with a duo waiting on Cuz, T-Dre's cousin, while they're flipping through the radio and finally decide to slide a tape into the deck as Duke of Earl begins to play. For you collectors out there, you know that's track number one of Eastside Stories volume number seven. I love this detail. I love it when Chicano rap is self-referential in the sense. And someone, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that sound like Dominator asking for a couple bucks? Hey, fool, give me a couple bucks. What? A couple bucks? T, you got a couple bucks. I got a couple bucks right here for you, homie. As for the beat, it can be enjoyable at times. And if you've read what I wrote for Khalifa Rap a long time ago, I find it to be one of the most distinguished songs on the album. Almost sounds like it belongs in a future release because of the production quality. But it isn't beyond reproach. Whoever got on the keyboards got a bit carried away. They drowned the vocals at times and the rest of the tune. I would have suggested to leave it solely in place of the chorus because the parts where you hear the tones fading in and out sound a lot better than the actual synthesizer. Alright, alright. I'm gonna dwell a little deep into this next song because there's a few things I wanna cover. Track number seven, Sucker Free. Number one, let's start with the sample. Love the fact that they use Sugar Free by Juicy. Perfect sample. This sample was real popular in the mid 90s, most notably by AZ. But the thing I want to point out is the similarities in these next three songs. Busta Free by Richie Rich from 1995. Cause I'm Busta Free. Sucka Free by CLS in 1996. And Sucker Free by Young Dre in 1996. Is it a coincidence that they're so damn similar? I know for a fact that T-Dre has gone on record to state he's a huge Bay Area fan. My music I used to love listening to was from the Bay Area. You know, I'm a Mac, uh, Mac Dre fan. Yeah. And then uh, Deluxe right here is Ice Cube fan, fan, you know. So I can see the influence Richie Rich may have played in this track. But that young Dre tune? Somebody was biting. And I'll just leave it at that. Either way, I like this track, but I think it could have been better. For starters, they should have focused on this part of the sample much more. The 
The rhymes were dope. The chorus is just as good as the rapping. Uh, this was Raylene at it again, if you want to take note of that. Uh, just a full embodiment of the West Coast sound. There is components I digest, but the sound is still worthy of blasting this in your whip, so give it a play. Many moons ago when I was first getting into Chicano rap, I had downloaded a few songs from this album. At first, Very Next Day really stood out and easily became a favorite track. The upbeat instrumental with the DJ quick like cowbells and the synth made it an instant enjoyable song for me. Remember what I said about them referencing Eastside stories? Well, this song is about a party, and in the intro, you can hear a song playing in the background, which happens to be Aaron Neville's Tell It Like It Is, which, coincidentally, happens to be on East Side Stories Volume 9. Even to this day, 17 years later after I first heard this cut, it still brings back fond memories. So to me, this is one of the better songs on the album. I'ma share another unpopular opinion about this album, but I can't stand track number 9, Float On. I've never been an aficionado of love songs, and this song hasn't changed that prerogative. The song is a sample of Float On by the Floaters. It's not the sample that I don't like. On the contrary, I've liked this in other songs such as The Enemy by Lawless and Cruisin' by Little Rob. contrast to this cut, those two other songs had interesting subject matters. And ultimately, this rola comes off hella cheesy and corny compared to the other two. In terms of production, I don't like the light drums on this. The chorus didn't do much for me either. This song is definitely the weakest link in the chain. And lastly, we come to the last track on the album, and everybody's favorite, Lost. Is there anyone that doesn't like this track? It's definitely a popular sample of Oh Honey by Delegation. You can hear this a lot throughout the 90s, both in the mainstream and the underground. But some of my favorite tracks include CLS's own track. SR Ride by LSD, Instinct by the Mexicans, and My Coupe de Ville by AOT and Slow Pain. Westwood, Watson, West Covina, Linwood, Lakewood, yo. 
As I've mentioned a few times in the past, I love it when she kind of rap is self-referential. You can hear parts of this track sampled and fellow 805 rappers Triple C times are getting crazy. The chorus to the CLS track is well blended, the drums are just right, and the vocals are so well incorporated into this track that I can see why this has become an instant classic. Definitely my favorite from this album. I bought the version with the bright blue cover, but it's eye-catching. The title definitely makes a statement. Overall, the album is at a perfect length, 10 tracks, and no fillers. The Mexican Avengers, as they refer to themselves several times, provided a sound and style that should be much more prevalent, more party jams, and less gangsterism. Inside the credits, they mention SD, The Night Out, 805-619 as a shout out. From the 805 to the they have credited SD rappers as having made an impact in their music, so that shout out is befitting. I mean, who else was there to have like a blueprint? Well, you know, it, to be honest, man, uh, Little Rob, of course, you know, uh, Gotta give Tomas Oliz his due credit for giving them the opportunity to drop this album on his label. He really gifted Chicano rap fans a gem. What were the lows in this album? Well, the fact that Mike G was the one making the beats for a genre that he was unfamiliar with probably has a lot to do with my criticisms of the imbalance in the songs I had a bone to pick with. The constant mention of being Mexican is a double-edged sword. It would draw us in, but probably contributed to the reason why this genre didn't expand beyond our demographic. Not fond of the bright blue cover, but I suppose it would stand out from the rest if it sat on a shelf at a record store. Now the highs? The samples. They were great. The rhyme scheme, you can hear a clear internal rhyme structure. The lack of uh, Zapp and Roger samples is a plus. And also, it spawned a hood classic, Lost. To summarize this, the album is greater than the sum of its parts. What do I mean by that? Well, if you listen to the songs individually instead of all together from beginning to end, it won't sound as great as letting the entire album play front to back. Do I recommend this album? Hell yeah! Over half the album slaps. If you don't already own this, I don't know what's holding you back. I even went as far as getting a bootleg vinyl copy from Japan. Now, I want to thank you all for listening and taking the time to support the podcast. Like I always say, just chill till the next episode. Boom. Mm.